0: The Chosen, one of the most impactful and largest reaching shows ever made about the life of Jesus. It has taken Christian culture by storm and reaching over 377 million views with the goal of reaching over a billion people with the story. But it isn't without its own controversy. What are the sources of the funding? Does it take too much creative license? Has it deviated away from the scriptures and misrepresented the God of the Bible. Today, we sit down with Dallas Jenkins, the creator behind The Chosen, and have an honest and blunt conversation about this. Bruce Lawn. Well, man, I'm glad you're here. Um, you've never shied away from uh, pressing into uh, vulnerable, transparent conversations. I think that's something that a lot of people appreciate. About you, and we're going to be talking about all that. And and, and towards the end, if you guys watched a full interview, uh interestingly enough, I've been reacting to some videos from the Elephant Room on this channel. I'll do some more. And if you watch till the end, me and Dallas will kind of get into a bit of his involvement in the Elephant Room from about a decade ago. But uh, Dallas, thanks for being here, man. So let's just jump right in. Um, some of the questions and the lore around the chosen is the funding from angel studios and now all exclusively being funded by evangelical Christians. You're an evangelical Christian. Um, you, did a great job, I think, talking about this, what Melissa Dordery, on her interview with her, by the way, guys, you guys could check that out. It's long, it's 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 detailed. Um, but what would you, what would your response to the critique that, hey, you know, uh, there's some Mormons in the funding of this thing, they preach a different Jesus, so on and so forth. How would you respond to some of that?
1: Well, first of all, I would clear up the fact that we don't actually get funding from Angel Studios. So Angel okay. Studios happened to have some, LDS folks who, you know, who are who work there and who own the, own the 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 studio. They're our distribution partner, um, but they don't actually fund it. So that that's I can just kind of clear that up quickly. The funding um, comes almost entirely. In fact, currently it's 100% funding comes from. Uh, the viewers, uh, it they happen to have optional payment, so the show is free. People don't have to actually pay for it if they don't want to. But uh, we don't get any funding from any any organization, uh, much less any religious organization. So uh, I'll just clear up a couple things real quick, um, so that you don't have to get too. Because as you said, Melissa's interview goes in depth, and and we talked mm-hmm. about it for a long time. But a couple things that I always like to clear up because not everyone has watched all of my comments on this. Well, number one, I am an evangelical. I would consider myself a conservative evangelical. Uh, I believe in the, the Bible is God's Holy word. It's the inerrant word of scripture. Um, and there is no, in fact, my, those of uh, who are involved in this show who are LDS or Catholic or any other faith tradition would be the first to tell you, they have absolutely zero input into the content itself. So mm-hmm. my partner, Dara leaves, who it's not, it's not private that he's LDS. Um, mm-hmm. And he says it right out. He's like, part of the deal from the beginning was, we ha- I-, I don't have any say, any contribution to the content itself. Uh, that's all Dallas. That's all me. Um, now, that said, what's funny is when, it, when we say to people, you know, there's no LDS influence on the content itself. What's funny about that is that if you actually wanted to see what an LDS Bible series would look like, you can actually go on YouTube and see it. And it's actually word for word scripture so the lds uh, church actually already did a formal bible show a jesus show actually or a series of videos that they filmed at their extraordinary set that we've made use of in the past and uh and it's actually word for word like they don't deviate from it's just literally like a narrated version of scripture and so i always kind of say if you're actually worried about lds influence on what the story of jesus would look like um it's actually even more biblical uh like word for word than even the chosen is uh which would Kind of, it's kind of weird for some of our critics who believe we we should be uh, only doing uh, word for word Bible. Uh, there is zero funding, like I said earlier, from any denomination or any church. Uh, we don't take any finances from any formal denomination. We're not associated formally with any denomination or any faith tradition whatsoever. So even at, even within the evangelical tradition, there's no church or anything that is formally associated with it. Um, and. One of the things that I have said in the past that caused the most controversy was I was referring to a few LDS folks that I'm partnered with or that I know. And I said, we love the same Jesus. And uh, a lot of people have taken that out of context and quoted me as saying, Dallas Jenkins says that all Mormons are evangelical, you know, are Christians or believe the same Jesus. I've made it clear on Melissa's show. I don't speak for any group of people. Um, I was speaking for a few friends that I have, like some, a couple of my partners. I stand by the statement, um, and uh, I don't speak for an entire ev- uh, LDS or Catholic church, just like I wouldn't speak for the entire evangelical church. Um, because, And that leads me to kind of my final point that I just want to clear up very quickly, which is one of the reasons why, well, there's actually two reasons why I don't actually get into the details and the nuance of of different faith traditions or my issues with, or my disagreements with why I don't do that publicly. And why in, even in my conversation with Melissa, um, you know, she asked me a few questions explicitly, like what is the LDS gospel, for example? And it's not that I don't have opinions on those things. I just don't talk about it in detail publicly for a couple of reasons. Number one is, um, I, I kind of go by the, the FBI theory. The FBI, when they teach their analysts how to spot counterfeit dollar bills, Uh, They don't try to show them the hundred or 150 or 200 different versions of counterfeit bills. They get them to be so focused on and knowledgeable of the real thing that you can spot a counterfeit whenever. And I believe that my job as the, as, as the creator of the chosen in this context publicly is to point people to the authentic Jesus point people to scripture and to the, uh, and, and to the real thing as much as humanly possible And so that if you spot a quote unquote counterfeit gospel or a counterfeit Jesus, that you will know it immediately. And that brings me to my second point, which is that I don't believe that uh, LDS or Catholic or Greek Orthodox or Jehovah's Witness have the monopoly on um, believing a, a people, part of their faith traditions who believe in the wrong thing. I believe in the evangelical faith. I believe in my own churches, I have sat next to people who believe some of the wrong things. I have, and probably currently do, have a few things that I'm getting wrong. And so my job in, my, in, in with the show, and also I think even in, 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 in my personal relationships, is as much as possible to, to, to evangelize to everybody. So I don't, I just, there, it's, it's not, there's no win for me in taking time to go through each of the different faith traditions and try to point out all the different things that I disagree with. I'm making a Jesus show. I'm pointing people towards Jesus. And I'll let the Holy Spirit and I'll let uh, the, the the discipleship d- discipleship of the local church do the job of nuancing all of those uh, kind of large scale or even small scale disagreements. So that's kind of my yeah my kind of overview of 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 the uh, that commonly commonly uh, discussed question.
0: Sure, sure, and 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 at the end of the day, you're. You... The chosen doesn't exist as an apologetic. It exists as a piece of art that you're creating to articulate and show Jesus in a different form than a lot of us have used to seeing him growing up so i think that that even in which your role is like you're not here as a theologian or as an apologist you're here as a creator so that's good to know so that it is independently funded by people it's crowdfunded which is a brilliant model we could talk about later on but you guys shot you 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 made this juxtaposition of uh some of it was shot on a mormon set that was owned by uh, uh the mormons and then some of it was also shot on a uh, atheists own lot, right? And you said people didn't have an issue with it being shot on an atheist lot, but all of a sudden, because it was shot on a Mormon lot, that that became a problem. What, what which season was shot where?
1: Um, we we filmed half of season two on this set in Utah that is owned by the LDS Church, and then we've filmed. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if I maybe use the term atheist, but yes, there are people who own many of the things that we've whether it's equipment or sets that we've rented sure. from or used that have come from all different uh, faith backgrounds and lack thereof, uh, in, including our cast and crew. So, uh, so yeah, so half of it was filmed uh, last year on a, on a different set. And then moving forward, we're going to still film some on that, on that set in Utah because it's it's yeah. unbelievable and they've been beautiful, beautiful hosts. Um, but uh, we're building our own thing as well um, right now. So in here in Texas uh, where um, of course, a lot of Texans believe Jesus actually lived anyway. Uh, so we're, uh, we're, we're building a set here in Texas that uh, that we are going to be operating primarily ourselves that we'll use for the majority of our filming.
0: Shout out to Daryl Eves. If you guys don't know who Daryl Eves is, he is one of the premier uh, leading thought thought leaders in the YouTube creator space. Um, he's actually who connected me with Dallas and uh, he recently, and I, and I got excited for him. I was, I was listening to Mr. Beast on Joe Rogan and Mr. Beast shouted out Daryl Eves, who is one of the, is, so Daryl Eves is one of the executive producers or what's his official title with you guys?
1: Yeah, he's one of the executive producers and then he's, he co-founded the the, the chosen company. So not, not the show itself. He's one of mm-hmm. the executive producers of the show. But uh, the, the company that we formed, uh, he's one of the, one of the one of the core original four founders of the,
0: of the company. Got it. Did you did you have you ever heard my my conspiracy theory on the chosen? This is total cap and nonsense, but I just wanted to see if you've ever heard of it.
1: I I'm, I can't wait. My
0: conspiracy theory, and this is, is, I put this in a video and I texted, I put the video out and then I texted Daryl, but he didn't get back to me after the video was out. Um, (laughs) But my conspiracy theory was because Mr. Beast grew up a Christian and he has so many ventures, my theory was that Mr. Beast was secretly involved with Daryl Eves as one of the funders of the initial season of The Chosen. Can you confirm or deny that?
1: Uh I can I can confirm and deny it, meaning I there's <laughs> Daryl's work with Mr. Beast has for sure helped the chosen because Daryl's genius has that's for sure. of in the chosen as to whether or not Mr. Beast has uh, has in- invested in the chosen. I'm I'm guessing I haven't looked at it. I don't actually know most of our investors uh, yeah. who our Mr. are, but I'm fairly certain if we certain if we looked at the list, it wouldn't include Mr.
0: Beast. <laughs> Daryl told me no. Daryl told me no. No way. <laughs> but but I I said it in the video and I and I and I was like, man, is such a good theory. He grew up Christian. This whole bit, but yeah, unfortunately, uh, my theory is not true. Um, I wanted to get into another critique that people have about this show, um, and, and I want to unpack some of this with you. Some of the critique of The Chosen has been that Dallas and his team deviate too much from the specific and literal narrative of Scripture. But I think often this idea that Christian art has to glean directly from Scripture misses what the actual point of Scripture is. The majority of our New Testament books are actual letters written to people to testify of Jesus or responses to churches about their questions. They weren't artistic knowledge. And is it possible that this limited approach to art stifles Christian creativity? Is it possible that the broader Christian community nitpicking what is and isn't literally from the scriptures is hindering the message of Jesus reaching and connecting in a medium that maybe we haven't seen yet. Brett McCracken and Thomas Terry sat down with the Gospel Coalition and had this to say about why Christian art is often so bad. I think art
1: thrives in not the utilitarian space. Art thrives in the the kind of superfluous space. And I think for Christians, sometimes we struggle with the superfluous. We We
0: don't feel like there's a place for that. Like, life is too short. There's too many people that need to be saved. The urgency of the mission is forcing us to kind of be efficient and utilitarian. And so therefore, when
1: we make a film, when we come up with, like, music, like, we want it to be about that mission. We want it to be as direct, as didactic, kind of get the message out through my film. But the problem with that and the reason why that often just doesn't resonate with people and gets panned by critics and whatever is just not good is because art isn't meant to do that. Like art isn't meant to just be a message transmission vehicle. Like it's meant to be this this breathable space, this wide open space where the grandeur and the glory of God through his creation,
0: through creativity is um is manifest. I think there's a much more weight on boundaries than there is the exploration of beauty. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because many times the church doesn't understand creativity. Yeah. It's like you mentioned before, there's tension, there's mm-hmm. mystery to mm-hmm. it. And because it's not so black and white, right. they're afraid of it. What this might become, so immediately they place boundaries on it. I was watching my friend Alan Parr's stream, and he was reviewing worship music and if it was theologically accurate. And so he was doing some popular songs. And then I was in the chat just kind of having fun because he started doing Christian rap songs, some, a song of my buddy KB, a couple other people. And then everybody's like, review one of Ruslan's songs. So he pulls up one of my songs called Bless God. And as he's reviewing it, he just went through a whole hour of all vertical worship, literal worship to Jesus songs, pieces of art. And then he gets to my song. And within the opening call, couple bars, the song's called Bless God. And he's like, oh, wait, this is about his mom, right? And I tell this whole narrative of my mom and her health problems, and I tie it into Honor Your Mother and Father, but it's not a literal vertical worship song that's direct about Jesus. It was a narrative that I pieced together more so about my dynamic with my mom and how I was looking to honor my mom and honor God and honoring my mom, even though we've had an exchange relationship. And I, and I found it so telling that the vast majority of our Christian media and our Christian art is always vertical and seldom is it horizontal. Seldom is it a narrative and I, I think that's so unfortunate that we've conditioned ourselves to think in Christian art that way. And w- one of the things I love, and I was telling you offline, um, when I watch the Chosen, it is such a, it's such a beautiful story that that shows Jesus in a different light and and, and shows those other attributes. When Jesus goes to the wedding in Canaan, and there and he's hanging out with his disciples, and they're having a good time, right? And so unpack some of this for me in terms of like. The, the 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 creative license that's taken that it isn't just word for word scripture you're doing this beautiful character development of these different personalities coming together um, and it and it and it literally leaves me emotional and 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 it drives me back to the scriptures not away from the scriptures so talk a little bit about that because I think this is one of the goofiest critiques that people have specifically about the chosen um, but broadly about Christian art in general and it's, and it's frustrating as a creative because I don't just write songs about Jesus vertically. And I don't, if I was an artist, I wouldn't just paint crosses, right? Like I I, I want to tell stories. So unpack that a little bit for me.
1: Yeah. There was a time when the majority of music, even in the Christian space was horizontal. It was about God, about Jesus. And in fact, one of the mo- the biggest influences in my life was uh, jars of clay. Um, when, and And when I heard their music, it was so good and so, Uh, inspiring, but it wasn't vertical. It was, it was like most Christian music. Well, then the worship movement happened and the majority of even Christian radio turned towards the vertical and uh, jars of clay didn't quite, that just wasn't what they were motivated to do. It wasn't their style. It wasn't their, you know, what what they did artistically. And, uh, and we, and, and Dan and I, Dan Hasseltine, who's the lead singer and songwriter of jars of clay and also happens to be the composer of all the music in the chosen, um talked about i didn't that. know that that's like,
0: actually really dope that's i, I didn't know he yeah. was a part of the show i didn't mean to cut you off go ahead you're flowing no
1: he, no no he's he's a he's a genius and it's one of the reasons why the, the music in the show is so unique and so special but um he he had he struggled with kind of disillusionment for a while and even kind of a tension with christianity and with the church because uh he was like is there not a space for songs that actually are about god and and are about beauty and and and, and the creator, but because they're not written to him, then they don't have a place in the, in the Christian media space. Um, now that's, that's, the, that's music. That's a music problem. I would say, I, I'm, I'm willing to use the word problem because you have to have room for different types when it comes to media, Christian media. Um, I believe there is a, there is room for utilitarian, uh, uh, movies and, and shows as well yeah, so you know my, yeah. i love alex and, and Stephen kendrick and they have done movies for the express purpose of teaching you something and leading you towards action and they don't deny that that they're just using the tool of film and art for a specific purpose um, that the church uh, typically would do but it's as or even more effective sometimes to do it through film i, I love it I, I believe there's a room for it It just can't be everything and what's interesting and what sometimes scares people, and this is where words matter. So I'm going to say this very carefully. The chosen isn't a Bible show. Um, I I say that the reason I say that so carefully is because some people go, oh my gosh, what do you mean? It's, it's based on the Bible. Of course it is. Well, kind of. Um, the, the problem with calling it a Bible show is that anytime I portray something that's not from the Bible you could conceivably say, oh, now you're confusing people. Mm. And we always make it clear, I'm not God, Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus, isn't Jesus, and the chosen <laughs> is not the Bible. And that's really important, because like you said very well in, in the, 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 the video reel you just played, um, the purpose of the Bible and the purpose of the Gospels was very different from what the purpose of a TV show is. The, the purpose of the Gospels was in many ways uh, just to show Jesus's greatest hits, to, to prove that he was the Messiah and the Son of God. Well, The Chosen uses the Bible as our primary source of truth and inspiration, but we are not a Bible show in the traditional sense where we are trying to show you this is what the Bible says. Um, We are a show, I would say, um, about first century Galilee, the people of first century Galilee. We get into history and uh, cultural context and things that, that many times a pastor would do. So you know, the, the, one, one of the things I like to say to people who criticize the chosen for not being only Bible verses is when you go to church on a Sunday and, you're, and, the, and the pastor gets up and he reads from the gospels, he doesn't just stop there and go sit down. He gives you context because right. when you get historical context, cultural context, scriptural context, and yes, even sometimes his own human his own humanity where he's like, can you imagine what the disciples must have been thinking when they're sitting around a campfire and they're probably playing a game? And, 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 he, and, he, and he kind of gives you that picture. Now, he's not claiming it's scripture. And any pastor who would, would be in, in, in a heretic. I'm not claiming the chosen is scripture. I'm in fact saying the chosen isn't scripture. I say it all the time. Uh, the Bible is the Bible and your Bible has not changed since the chosen came out. Your Bible remains the same. We're not adding to scripture because we're not scripture. What we do do is we give you cultural context, historical context, and yes, human context to try to put you into that scenario. And what happens as a result of watching this show is that people so often, like you just said, we hear it thousands of times every day. I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Thousands of times every day from people who say, I am reading my Bible more than ever because of the show. I am praying to and engaging with Jesus and, and and God the Father and the Holy Spirit more than I ever have because of the show. Now, if the show was the replacement for those things and they were using the show as their primary source of truth, I would be the first to tell you that's a problem, bro. You need to get, you need to get you know plug into a good church. You need to remember that the Bible is the Bible, that is God's word. The show is, is, a, is a show because I'm going to make mistakes. And if you start to idolize the show to the point where anytime I do something or the show does something or our social media accounts do something that you don't like, well, it's gonna it's gonna really cause you to have some of the same crisis of faith that some people have when they go to a church they don't like. And it's like that's not what the gospel is, and uh, you can't idolize Jesus's followers or the chosen or a pastor or a church to the point where it becomes a replacement for a personal relationship with God and, a, and, and a, uh, and your personal interaction with, with God's word. So that's a long answer to your question. Yeah, it's, no, just, it's a great answer. These issues are so, they're so important because um, I do want you to just enjoy the show, but, the foundation of it and the context around it, I think does matter to so many people. It's important for me to talk about these things when possible so that when you watch it, you just push play and you enjoy it the same way you enjoy
0: any other show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, and it's not intended as a replacement. As you said, Um, I use the example of supplements versus sustenance when we're talking Mm -hmm. about media and these sorts of things. So if someone is saying, Hey, I am looking to, Uh, get in the gym and get in shape and I want to revolutionize this part of my life, I would say, okay, great. Well, you go learn the compound lifts, go learn to properly strength train, get in a caloric deficit and eat the right amount of protein and clean up your eating and you will see results. And sometimes what's happened, and I don't know if you've ever known anybody that's done this, but I've had friends that they would then, instead of cleaning up their eating and owning the responsibility of feeding themselves – they start taking supplements and thinking the supplements are going to replace the responsibility to feed yourself. And so I've had friends, and I'm not exaggerating, Dallas, I had a friend once who worked at a supplement shop. He worked at GNC and he would get all this protein for free. And he literally consumed so many protein supplement shakes that he had to go to go to the hospital and get his stomach pumped. Because of <laughs> because of trying to sustain yourself off of supplements. So The Chosen, my YouTube channel, Christian Music, Worship Music, Christian Art, these are all great supplements that, yes, if you drink a protein shake a day, you'll get that extra burst of 30 uh, grams of protein. That makes it a little bit easier in terms of your meal plan, but you still have to eat the food. You still gotta show up to the gym and do the work. You still have to work through the process, and we have so many great supplements that I think sometimes we will depend on those for our sustenance. And then you you end up disillusioned and confused because I don't like you said the, the, the chosen was not intended to replace your personal devotional Bible study time it should it should stir you on to your devotional Bible study time so um, yeah. yeah I'm gonna
1: I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that by the way that's really good I hadn't, I hadn't heard you say that before it's really good and it helps because I'm also kind of a health nut so that yeah yeah <laughs> personal anecdotes but I think one one of the reasons that's really good is um, that. What 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 we've seen happen multiple times is um, someone has said we we had a quote that we've we've used in one of our memes that people love. Uh, they said previously the Bible was in black and white for me, and now it, it's in color. And the key thing about that quote is they're not saying the Bible is different. They're not saying the 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 chosen hasn't replaced or anything like that. They're simply saying I feel like now when I read the words, they 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 pop off the page to me now and I have this uh, context. And the words aren't different. The the meaning isn't different, but there's just this 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 kind of life engagement that I have with it now because I've gotten this experience of the first century Galilee that they gave me that I go, oh, that's what when when it says Jesus went here and talked to, to these people. Okay. That's what it looked like. That's what it that's what it smelled like. And um and 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 so like you said, it, it's that, that can be a supplement so that like, when, when, when I take uh, certain supplements myself in my health routine, they just give me that little, like when I'm, when I'm lifting weights, when I'm lifting 90 pounds, maybe I just lift it a little easier because I took that, you know, I drank my coffee beforehand. And just like when I'm reading my Bible, maybe it's just, it's just a little sharper because I've had this experience listening to a sermon or your YouTube channel, like you said, or I mean, how many times have people said, Oh, my quiet time today was on fire. Mm -hmm. Well, people don't sit there and go, well, why wasn't it on fire yesterday? What, is the Bible not good (laughs) enough for you? They'd go, no, because I listened to this worship song and um, gosh, the sun was out and all of these extra things contributed to me feeling just that much more alive. And so my, my scripture reading really went to the next level. But you wouldn't ever say, I'm gonna go outside and get some sunlight. Now I don't need to read scripture because- it it gave me the same experience I had when my scripture reading was fire. So I I think that's, I I think it's just a reframe. And I think when people see that, um, they feel a little bit differently, but there's always going to be people who just go, you should never portray anything involving Jesus that did not exist in scripture. And, 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 and I just go, okay, fine. You don't have to watch the show. It's free anyway. So you can, you can watch the whole seven seasons and, and, and write your notes about all the things you don't like about it. And, and that's all fine. And, and, uh, I'm not going to, we're never going to agree anyway. So who cares? You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I want to get into that. You said the show is free. And one of the things is just two things I point to got a lot of friends that are filmmakers, right. And they're working on big shoots and they're working on commercials for some of the biggest brands out there. They're working with influencers. um, And then they have their passion projects on the side. And the two things I always point to with the, with, with the chosen is one, the distribution arm of it being, fr- I, I call it freemium. Anyone could have access to it, but you guys have a pay it forward model, which, which I think is brilliant. And two, and, and you can kind of unpack this for me if you want to. We're gonna, I, I kind of want to get into the, the, the creative side of this. So if you guys aren't interested in this, forgive me. It's my channel. We're going to talk about the creative side is, uh, the two, the, stewardship in terms of you guys are cranking out really quality stuff at what seems like is a very reasonable budget was I, th- I think I read somewhere that yeah. season one was around was it was it four million for the whole episode I mean excuse me for the whole season and then you guys are slowly in- incrementally increasing the budget so you guys are doing like amazing stuff on relatively lean budgets. Um, and, and so, and so can we kind of unpack those two? I guess we could open up with the budget and just how well, the, I, in my opinion, how it seems like you guys are doing a great job stewarding the, the revenue that is coming in.
1: Yeah. So the, the budget of season one was 8 million for the season, $8 million. One, okay. One, okay. 1 million per episode. Okay. And then season two was, uh, between 10 and 12. I don't remember exactly, but it was, you know, one point something per episode. And, and then now season three has, has gone up about 50% and 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 of course now we're finding because of covid and and uh, construction delays and all this stuff that supply chain issues and that, that it's we've gone a bit above above budget. So um so yes, I would say I'm proud of the work that we've done for the for what sounds like on the service to some people a lot of money, but in TV world it's a fraction. I mean our
0: yeah, the, the and g- let me let me catering. just say this. Let me just say this for context, Dallas. I don't mean to cut you off. Mr. Beast spent three point five million dollars on his one YouTube video for the remake of of Squid Game. Okay, so when Squid Mr. Game. Beast remade Squid Game, that was three point five million dollars, and these guys are over here pumping out a whole series. For eight to twelve million per season—that's multiple episodes. So again, I'm, I'm a nerd. I got buddies that make films. That is phenomenal, Dallas, and I want to encourage you in that. You guys are crushing it with that regard because that's that. I mean, you guys are really getting some incredible bang for your, in my opinion, bang for your buck. Because when you're looking at Hollywood productions, you're talking 30, 40, 50. Some of the biggest blockbusters are in the hundreds of millions, right? Fast and the Furious, I think, was in multiple hundreds of millions. So this is like good stewardship. So I didn't mean to cut you off, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, you're good. Um, yeah, although I would say we're hoping to, you know, for the sake of our cast and crew, for the sake of some of the things that we do want to do, yeah. it'd be nice to, to 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 have a little more. Um, and, and that's that's happening to, as the show continues to grow. Um, but over 95% of the people who watch the show don't actually ever pay for it um, around the world. So that, and that's okay, but it does, limit us to some extent with how fast we can grow and we're working on different ways to change that that said um yeah the catering budget for game of Thrones is is about what we would spend in a, for a whole episode of, of the chosen um, <laughs> but one of the things that I think one of the things i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna cheat a little bit and, and skip ahead to your creative conversation for just a second because I think it speaks to what you're talking about one of the things that I think we've done fairly well is uh, and I use this term uh, it might not always apply in every Christian circle but we don't drink wine on a beer salary. And that's a key, key concept that I teach young creators and filmmakers a lot is yeah. when you have a limited budget, don't try to make a big budget film or television show on a limited budget because then you end up just looking like a poor man's version of something better. And this is what's happened to a lot of faith-based films. And this is true of a lot of secular films too. There, It's, it's, the faith based industry does, does not have the monopoly on crappy uh, on art. Um, but where you, you're, what I think would make us look bad and would expose us for our limited budget is if we were trying to do an epic, what's called sword and sandals kind of Bible project, where big sweeping landscapes and thousands of extras in a, in a, in a fight scene and all these things that are super, super expensive. We're expensive enough by being a period piece, meaning we're set. 2000 years ago all of our costumes all of our sets all have to be built all have to be uh, you know rented from other places Uh, we're not able to just use someone's house and use their already existing wardrobe and all that so we're already expensive enough doing that if we tried to be um game of thrones but yet just on a smaller budget you'd you'd watch it and go wow that looks like really cheap visual effects that looks like really you know a a really bad version of something bigger And so we really try to keep the story, if you watch The Chosen, it's the emotional content, it's the intimate relationships. We really focus on that. And people don't sit there thinking, well, why isn't there a bigger shot? Why isn't there more uh, big sets? Why isn't there more CGI? They're focused on the storyline. And I think by focusing on that, that's allowed us to really look like what we're meant to look like, as opposed to trying to do something bigger when we can't. Now, there's some certain storylines that we'd love to do Uh, in future seasons that will require a little bit more money obviously i can't talk about them but and we do of course want to give our cast and crew the kind of you know salaries that allow them to not have to do other projects and allow them to not uh for us to not have to plead with them to to say no to this project so you can do ours those kinds of things would would make our lives a, a lot easier but but for now um we're on what my wife calls the manna program which is you know god gives us our daily manna like he did the israelites every morning and he actually said, "Don't store it up uh, over the weekend because if you do, I'm going to make it rot." He kind of wants us dependent on him each day, so right now we're 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 kind of in that posture of, "All right, we, we got enough for today. We'll wake up again tomorrow and and and, and get more." But uh, so far that served us fairly well. But we do hope to to continue to grow and expand.
0: Do you think that the advancement of technology has made this easier? Meaning that, you know, last time we kind of saw something similar to this was when Denza, uh, Denzel <laughs> Mel Gibson did the Passion. And it was in churches and churches, you know, I remember like our church, I think we, like rented out a whole movie theater and this whole bit, right? Um, and that was about 20 years ago. Whereas now, well, you guys have this free app. You're trying to reach a billion people. Um, it, it, do you think that t- the technology shift w- with both in how we create films on terms of the, the the actual equipment getting cheaper, but also how we distribute content? Do you think that has kind of, uh, allowed you guys to do this in a very different creative way?
1: 100%. I mean, uh, the, the, the good news about kind of the, the, the shift in media, um, is that, okay, you're going to have a lot more, um, you know, crappy stuff, but the, the stuff that's good has a better chance of getting through and being made because we're not so dependent on a huge check from a studio. And um, the, the 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 model that Angel Studios came up with, our distribution partner um, for for The Chosen, was was truly brilliant. Of you know, okay, we're not going to have a big check right off the bat. We're going to be a little bit dependent on the crowd, but it's going to give us freedom. It's going to give us the ability to do things quickly. I mean, the chosen got into every country in the world with a flip of a switch, like when they created this app and it was a free app that that could be downloaded anywhere in the world. We were with, we were in, in, in over 180 countries within like two weeks. Now, of course, we now then had to, you know, get translated into foreign languages. There's a whole lot of infrastructure that still needs to, to, to happen, but, in terms of access, oh my goodness! I mean, the the new world allows you to a create content on a lower budget, um, and, and and that'll work best if you again, like I said, try to stay within your means and and stay in your lane. But but then b the distribution possibilities are extraordinary, and you're not reliant on, you know, you're not you're not beholden to cancel culture. You're not beholden to uh, the golden rule of Hollywood, which, which is that he who makes the gold, sorry, he who yeah. He who has the gold makes the rules. Um, so at, when we said, when we first talked about this, when we were raising money for season one, we were saying, let's make our own rules. And that's allowed us to try things that normally wouldn't be tried. And then it allowed us to ultimately land on this free model of, you know what? Pay it if you want. And we're just going to inform you. We're not even a nonprofit. We're not a charity. So, so when you pay for it, it's it's just essentially optional payment. Um, and, when you choose to pay for it, we tell you what you get out of that, meaning we can do more episodes and seasons. Um, for those of you who pay at a certain level, we'll give you some perks. Um, but for the most part, we're not going to beg you. We're not going to do banquet fundraisers. We're not a nonprofit charity. We're just saying, look, pay or don't pay, but here's what you get if you do. And if you don't um, and, no, and no one pays for it, then we can't do future episodes and seasons. And we'll, you know, people around the world who are currently watching it for free you know they're not going to be able to keep doing that if unless we do our part if we can but um yeah i think yeah. it just allows us to try all these new things and isaiah 43:19 behold i am doing a new thing has been like on our wall you know yeah. at yeah. every stage of this of this process
0: and and would you say that model has paid off meaning that you guys are funded and you're hoping to get funded through seven seasons meaning it seems to be working is that fair yes
1: oh, yeah okay. yeah i think We've reached a point, so 100%, it has worked beyond our wildest dreams to this point. We are reaching a point where the growth of the show around the world is bigger than we can resource. So Mm. when you've got France and Italy and Nigeria saying, the show is really growing here, can you do here what you're doing in the States when it comes to your social media presence, when it comes to gifts, we call gifts, what you'd call merchandise? Um, you know, it's all in America because we don't have the, the infrastructure overseas. So we're in literal, I mean, today I've been having meetings, significant meetings with people to talk about what, what are ways we can supercharge this? Because this model of, of, of crowdfunding has, has gotten us to an extraordinary point but the chosen right now and i say this with no arrogance i say this actually with true genuine humility because god is multiplying our loaves and fish to a degree that is ridiculous i mean it is growing so fast around the world we can't keep up yeah. and there's not enough people paying it forward to to provide for our especially our international needs or doing things like a a tv commercial you know that would really supercharge the chosen but we you know we can't afford to do that. So there is a point where we might have to shift gears in some areas, but we never want to lose sight of our relationship with our viewers, and and yeah. th- we want them to always have a piece of it because I think they feel ownership when mm-hmm. they when they decide to pay it forward. They want to know that it's working, and they want to see. Um, the, the fruits of their labor, and, and, and they feel like a, a member of the family. And I think we, we never want to lose that. But if there's a way that some of our needs can be taken care of, and so that the, the, the viewer paying it forward is a fuel on an already existing fire, I think that's that's something we're looking into now.
0: Yeah. And, and just so you guys know, you can pay it forward uh, on their website and you can do it monthly or you can do it uh, one time per payment. And I'm definitely going to be paying it forward um, with hopefully more of you guys, because I, I believe in the work that they're doing. Um, Dallas, you're also wearing some chosen merch, it sounds like. Uh, and so folks were asking, what does your shirt say in the in the oh. live stream chat?
1: Yeah, I was we call one way get gift, merchant. You might have to go wide. This is uh, a line from episode two of season one. I was one way and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him.
0: That's cool. That's Um, so cool. And that's, and so they get that
1: through
0: through making a contribution by paying it forward. They get the gift through paying it forward. Or is that a separate shop?
1: This is a separate thing. So you, in the app, there's a, we call it our gift factory uh, on the chosen.tv TV. Um, I don't want to give all the. I mean, I don't, sure, sure, don't sure. Well, anything. I mean, there's
0: multiple ways, but to get that yeah. piece right there, it's on the app.
1: Yeah, or or the the hoodie that I'm wearing has our logo on the back and all that. But there's yep. tons of great stuff, including our DVDs and 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 devotional books and Bible studies and stuff that's been really great. Um, that's you can purchase that. That's just a like purchasing anything else. It just goes towards uh, keeping you know allows us to keep growing our our, our company.
0: Yeah, um, a, a few folks asked. That, well, right, right as I was thinking it, have you guys looked at Unreal Engine and what they're doing with the Mandalorian? We've started uh, implementing it in terms of our backgrounds. They're made in Unreal Engine. Have you guys looked at Unreal Engine and kind of some of the stuff they're doing with Mandalorian? And, 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 and probably the upfront cost of that is insane to, to build a studio like that. But uh, what are your thoughts on that in terms of the filmmaking even getting cheaper to make seemingly with things like Unreal Engine, uh, LED walls and screens and, and, and all that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, so we've dipped our toes in those waters. We've actually talked to some folks who who have uh, some of that technology. What you're referring to is when you watch The Mandalorian, uh, some of it is actually filmed in front of like a huge, like wall that's that uh, of actual footage of actual photography. It's not green screen, but it provides that extraordinary depth uh, that you you can't get, um, you know, with a green screen, and you can't. And you also can only find if you go to the desert or you go to uh, these locations that are super, super expensive. And it's allowed a lot of filmmakers, not only on The Mandalorian, but in a few other projects, even normal projects that aren't in exotic locations where they can film like on a stage in a house and the background around the house is this huge, like, you know, could be an LED wall, but you can control the sunlight. You can control... um, and so so for us yeah we're we're beholden sometimes to the weather and we're running out of time because mm-hmm. the sun's about to 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 lower and uh and and whereas some of these filmmakers like in the Mandalorian don't have to ever worry about that because they're just you know they they're controlling the weather themselves so we've looked into it we're looking into it further um i do think there's a point where it can go too far in that direction i mean i i mean curl i don't know how you felt i mean i, I when i watched uh, a book of boba fett there were times when i thought I mean, this. I love, uh, you know, I love the show. I love John Favreau, but some of the CGI actually is distractingly <laughs> obvious, and uh, so uh, I'd rather than maybe go to the real thing in some cases.
0: Yeah. Hey, the question that, that I think was on a lot of people's minds, whether it's it's CGI, whether it's Unreal Engine, um, season three. When 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 can we expect season three? I think that is a huge. Demand right now, Dallas. Uh, are you guys done with it? Are you still shooting? What is going on with season three?
1: Oh, none, none of the above. We 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 start filming in about a about uh, almost a month and a half. Um, yeah, I, I I tell people this. I'm no longer Dallas the friend or Dallas the person who might have interesting things to say about life. I'm now <laughs> Dallas the guy who can tell you when season three comes out. That's all that people uh, care about at this point. Um, so we start filming uh, at the end of April. April 25th is our is our uh, film date. Nice. And um, we uh, intend to, and, and, and are on track to release at least some of the beginning of, of, uh, of season three before the end of the year. Uh, we wanted to do it earlier uh, there. Uh, I've made it very clear. I do a live stream every month or every other month. We, we communicate regularly with our viewers about updates and uh, ever all our viewers know there's been some delays that, that have been far outside our control um, that have kind of caused some things to, 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 to be delayed, but, um, but we're, we're, we want to get episodes out as fast as we can, and uh, we, we we intend to do that this year. But yeah, we're, we go into filming in, in a little bit, and the scripts for Season 3 are completed, and uh, we're very excited about them. The, the, the team and the cast and crew who've read them so far uh, have sent uh, some enthusiastic texts that is super, surpass <laughs> even some of our previous work, so we're excited about it.
0: That's so cool. The goal is to go to seven seasons. Is that going, and again, you don't have to answer this because maybe this is a spoiler alert. Is this going through Acts or is this ending at the life of Jesus? How do you envision those seven seasons? Or you could just say no comment because you don't want to read oh, no, that, that part.
1: No, no, no. We've talked about it. Um, so this is covering the the, the time of Jesus's ministry. Um, so season six, we've already said, is, is covering the, the crucifixion. And season seven is, you know, spoiler alert, Jesus comes back from the dead. I don't know. If- <laughs> <laughs> I hope you knew that, Ruslan, but, um, but, uh, season seven, we t- we, we cover that in some of the aftermath. Um, and then, uh, and then I'll take a nap for about a year. And then if, if, uh, God really, uh, is calling, putting it on our hearts to do, uh, go into the book of acts and kind of the, the birth of the early church, Yeah, it would be really cool. It's never really been done before. It was attempted a couple of years ago. It didn't go quite well, but I, I think uh, if I feel like we have some things to, to say that 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 uh, could be really interesting, and and we feel uh, so motivated, we'd love to do something like that. If, if the rest of my life I'm telling I'm telling Bible stories, I could do a lot worse. So, but we'll see.
0: That's very cool. Yeah, I think I think that that sounds exciting. Going through the Book of Acts and the rest of you know what happened in the New Testament is is super duper cool. Um, I want to switch gears slightly. Um, so you guys know Elephant Room. I've reacted to a couple of clips. I'm going to react to some more uh, clips from the Elephant Room. It was a debate put on um, about 10 years ago, folks of different theological camps coming together, guys like Mark Driscoll, Stephen Furtick. They even had TD Jakes. And, uh, and they came together and they would hash out these theological issues, methodology, theology, some really good stuff. Um, and... Uh, it, it lasted for two seasons, and what many people may not know is that you were one of the creators involved in that process. So could you kind of give us your, your hand in the elephant room, and, and, and what, we, what was your role in that?
1: Yeah, so I actually—The um, Chosen was actually birthed in many ways by work that I did for Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago, where I actually worked as a director of media for, for seven, eight years, and it's where I made a feature film— Uh, That uh, called The Resurrection of Gavin Stone, which ultimately bombed, um, but led to, uh, I I started doing Bible projects, sorry, Bible short films and vignettes while I was working there. And uh, James McDonald was the pastor at that church. And so I worked directly for for James. And he, uh, I I don't want to say I was the creator of The Elephant Room by any means. It was his idea, his and his son, Luke. And they had this really, really, what I believe still to this day, was a beautiful, beautiful idea. And when I watched your video reacting to it, it took me back to my, my job was to essentially produce it. I was the, um, my team and I, you know, put on the, the, the whole production of it and, and spoke into a little bit of the, uh, some of the, um, kind of the direction that we went in terms of the formatting and stuff, but the, the concept was all theirs. And it took these pastors. So James was, James and Mark Driscoll were kind of the hosts. Um, they, it was kind of their primary idea and they brought these, uh, uh, pastors like Stephen Furtick, but again, you get, you get a pastor like Stephen Furtick, but then you also get a guy like David Platt or Matt Chandler. Um, yeah. so you, and you get them together in a room and let's talk about key issues. Let's do what like you and I have been doing on this, on this, uh, live stream, which is at the yeah. beginning, you were like, we happen to be brothers. We happen to be aligned probably on 90% plus of our theology, but let's yep. talk about some things that are challenging. And, uh, I loved it. The first, uh, season, uh, was, we, we d- was done, um, as content and uh, put out as a live, uh, as a live event and then released on DVD. And then the second season went even further because we had guys like TD Jakes on and it caused so much controversy uh, in the gospel coalition that it it ended up uh, like James and Mark and just decided to stop doing it. And um, I remain um, it remains one of the things I'm, I wouldn't say I'm most proud of because I didn't do it, but my involvement in it, i loved it i think it modeled what i think we've lost in many ways mm-hmm. right now all you see is tribalism and and youtube videos that are b- back and forth but they never actually seem to get together and talk about things i experienced it myself I see all the time, I find videos being made about me, contending things about me that I've never even experienced. I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. I don't know how you knew that. I didn't even know that about myself. You're really a, you're a great, and it's just back
0: and forth. So, Someone called you a Mormon in the chat earlier, by the way, and I was like, ah, he's not a Mormon. You might want to rewind the stream. So that, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah. misinformation so, is insane. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and, and what's so cool about it is what we found when we did the elephant room. Yeah, is that in in the video that you uh, reacted to, and I encourage if there's someone watching now who's like a Chosen fan who hasn't seen any of your videos before, uh, I loved it. It took me back and I was like, man, this was so good. You've got Matt Chandler and Stephen Furtick. One of the first things they do, and this is something James McDonald was really, really good at, was let's get past the lack of clarity that we have, even about the other's position. Come on. Because I'm telling you, I have not watched a single video about me or about the chosen, that was a critique video or a doctrinal watchdog type, uh, you know, uh, what we call discernment blogger type sure. video, uh, video that has been accurate, even in the facts that they are responding to. Mm. Every single time something has been wrong. Now, so so the first thing that you do when you get these people together is go, okay, you said this, is that out of context? Can right. you clarify? Did we misunderstand? And every time whether it was T.D. Jakes or Stephen Furtick or David Platt or James McDonald or Mark Driscoll, every time there was a lack of clarity that got clarified, which was helpful. Now we can focus on what we actually legitimately disagree about. Yes. and, And then two things happen. One is we find, oh, actually, maybe we agree on some things that we didn't think we agreed about. Or, hmm, you actually just made a really good point. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to rethink my assessment about this. Maybe I can even have my mind changed. Oh my goodness. Can that happen without complete, you know, uh, compromise? So the, all, all these really beautiful things happened. And uh, I, I, one of my biggest sadnesses, I, I, that's probably not a word. One of the things I was really sad about during my time at Harvest was the fact that we, we, we didn't keep doing it because I thought, I thought it was worth the, the controversy. Because, um, and it, but, but it was a good training ground, I think, for me in many ways of how to deal with that, those kinds of things and, and, uh, and and to expect them and to embrace them even sometimes. And, and, uh, and I hope that one of the things I love about your channel, one of the things I love about Melissa's channel, things I love about Alan Parr's channel. I don't know, Alan. um, I'd love, I I love his channel in many ways is the, the the measured approach you take to these things. Um, Even if you don't have the person on the show that you're talking about, you still encourage your viewers. Okay. At least let's, be as fair as possible uh, before we jump to these extreme conclusions that so many people jump to.
0: Yeah, I think we we live in a culture where technology has made it easier to expose or call out, but oftentimes that you don't want to call out something that isn't representative of someone's actual position, right? Like like if there's yeah. if someone's an error, you don't want to just go quick to dismiss them as a heretic or a false teacher or whatever – if you're not going to accurately represent what their opinion is or the position is. And I think that's totally with, with, with the elephant room, I think oh. was great at um, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. One quick thing about that is uh, to your point, I'll see YouTube videos that have, you know how it's, and you do this, you practice this. It's good. YouTube uh, theory. Daryl teaches about it of headlines yeah. and keywords and, and arrows and graphics. And it's, it's, uh, it, when used properly it can be a good tool to get people to click when it's right. used improperly it's clickbait you know it's it's deceptive and i have seen some of these channels i'll just be I, I don't look for it i'm just scrolling through and and all of a sudden i'll see the chosen exposed dallas jenkins exposed whatever it is um you know and and, and sometimes the, the the actual title of the video will be dallas jenkins says and in 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 my understanding of the english language the word says should be followed by Something that I actually said—a
0: direct quote. (laughs) Yeah,
1: but it will be it will be a summary, their interpretation of the thing that I said, that 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 was out of context, and they'll say Dallas Jenkins says a hyperbolic version of their interpretation, and I'll go, "You're supposed to be a truth vlogger,
0: yeah, and your
1: actual title is is inaccurate, and you're using the name of the chosen, or you're using the name of." name a preacher, to get attention, right? and then you're actually saying things that aren't true. And, and that is, I, I acknowledge, it's easier to do that because then you don't have to deal with the time it takes to right. actually get clarity on what they said. And everyone, not everyone, I shouldn't say, some people who are quick to take some of my context from the past out of context would never take the time to do a video about, you know, the, the Bible study that we released that is probably... The, the very blogger that's criticizing would would probably align with everything in that Bible study. And they never go, hey, here's a really great Bible study you can read. They would never do that in a million years. It's far more interesting and engaging and exciting and clickbaity to go, this one thing that Dallas said out of the last three years where he has posted 9,800 <laughs> you know, pieces of content from the show to his social media, this sentence that he said uh, is enough to uh, label him uh, and the entire show as uh, heretical, and I, that's what the Elephant Room was attempting to to do. And it's one yeah. of the reasons why I love coming on your show, coming on Melissa's show. Is if nothing else, I just think it's really interesting to talk about these things, and I think it leads to great discipleship.
0: Yes, yes, uh, we got to figure out uh, a, a more polarizing. Uh, text on on this thumbnail. We're gonna change it to like Dallas exposes himself or <laughs> <laughs> something. Just so like he comes here and does it himself. Um, uh, uh, any? I, I got one last question for you, and this is an important one. But before that, is there any any like interesting stuff that happened behind the scenes of season one and two? Man, what I would have loved to just be a fly in the wall in that green room with all these different <laughs> different guys. Uh, was there anything like behind? the scenes or anything in terms of the elephant room that was like, Whoa, this is, this is, this is bizarre. And then I got one, one final question for you that, that that just came in from Facebook that I think is going to beautifully wrap up our our conversation.
1: Great. I mean, obviously I can't share, you know, tales out of school about these, about these guys with the elephant room, but I will just, I will just say this. Um, It was, you know, each, each conference, it was a collection of, of seven pastors. They get together um, the night before Talk about what they're going to talk about the next day, um, and so that's where I I had the most access uh, in the what you call the green room, because then once the day started the next day we went we literally recorded for like eight hours straight, and there was no green room. They were on the stage. They were on the mm-hmm. you know it was just nonstop talking, and it was that moment the night before each time that was really beautiful. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not going to say that I have anything scandalous or anything uh, uh, you know exciting to say, other than it was seven uh i'm going to use the term brothers who came from different backgrounds and different types of churches uh had been accused of different things had even criticized each other at times in their sermons who got together and i'm telling you unabashedly they loved the the same jesus they wanted the same things yeah. um, they were they knew scripture all of them and i'm telling you this uh let me say this about even some of the pastors that are still still have churches and are still have because some of the pastors of of uh, the Elephant Room uh, no longer have their ministries, um, but even the ones that still do who still who get criticized, um, some of them they know Scripture like I mean they have it now they may interpret it or maybe miss differently than 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 you or me might might interpret it or maybe they've used it in ways that that we don't always align with. But I'm telling you, these men got together and they weren't talking about. How do we maximize the excitement of tomorrow's event? How do we get more clicks? They were like, how do we model Christ-like behavior with each other? And this was in the private green room with no one else allowed except for people like myself, because we were, um, you know, analyzing the next day. They they prayed for a long time. How can we be more Christ-like in what we do tomorrow? Because we're talking about things of great importance. And yeah. uh, so, you know, for, that's for, so good whatever hey, so,
0: so when my channel has more subscribers than steven furtick's channel and we have a ton of money i'll circle back with you and maybe we can do an elephant room season three if someone doesn't own the trademark on that is that is that are you in
1: I, we might have to yeah, change the name because
0: uh, <laughs> someone <laughs> might own the trademark on that <laughs>
1: the the Um, the chosen room we can call it and uh, the chosen room oh that's that that actually has
0: a nice ring to it i like that okay here's the last question i think this is an important one that i uh it it it, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna show my hand on this yet but i'm gonna put it on the screen uh this came in through facebook and it says when the world loves it is it really biblical Mm. what do you think dallas
1: yeah, that's, that, that question says so much. Um, and um, I would say the answer can't be yes or no, and here's why. Um, because the question implies, in fact, the premise of the question implies that um, everything in the Bible is inherently divisive. And that is true of the gospel, like the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the only way to the father. The only, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the father, but by me, that statement, that gospel is divisive. And the world as a whole on, on this side of, 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 you know, of, uh, of, of heaven, this side of, of, um the, you know, of, of eternity uh, will not love that. But, there are so many things from the Bible the world loves. So many things. In fact, I would contend that almost everything that, um, that, 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 I'm mean, going to be careful when I say this. So, I'm not going to say almost everything. So many, the majority of the things that, that, that we love and that we even agree on in the world um, are founded and rooted in creation and founded and rooted in, in the principles. Uh, of uh, that, that god instituted for his people and so i think um if the world loves um you know the the some of the ten commandments would we say well that, that then therefore they must not be biblical so what i think her question is implying is well because so many people love the chosen it must not be doing its job of presenting a, a, a device of gospel and i would just argue that that's that's not the the totality of scripture um, and the chosen uh, absolutely will uh, portray things that, gosh, it already has portrayed things that several of our cast and crew and many viewers wouldn't consider to be their life, uh, their life motto, you know, or their 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 worldview. Uh, so there there are some viewers who love the show but don't call Jesus their Lord and Savior. Mm. Um, I love Star Wars. I don't refer to the Force as my, uh, world, my, my spiritual worldview.
0: Right. And so that's true
1: of of our cast and crew. That's true of some of our, our, uh, our viewers. And so, um, so no, I don't, uh, I don't believe that the world loving something inherently means it's not biblical. Of course, you didn't say those words. I'm just saying, uh, we see that a lot. Uh, the the question I I do, I would contend, I don't want to read minds, but I'm, the question I think is a little bit more loaded than, than just the words, and I would say, uh, uh, yes. Sometimes the world loves things that are biblical, and sometimes the world hates some things that are biblical. And the chosen will portray all of those things. Not so Yeah, most, both of those things.
0: Yeah, I, you. In one of the episodes, I remember you uh, kind of alluding to John writing his gospel, and he's like trying to figure out where he's going to start. And he starts. He's like, "I'm going to start the beginning, right?" And he so it's the beginning. And what I love about that chapter is. A couple verses from those initial verses, he says, "You know, in Jesus came full of grace and truth," and I think therein lies that tension. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible that is the grace. And the world probably does love the grace, the miracles, the the, the common grace, the natural law, the, all, all of these different things that we can glean from Jesus, even if you aren't following Jesus, because it, there's a natural law and there's a natural order to things. And then there's the truth part, which is probably what he's kind of hinting at, where the world gets hostile and they go, wait a minute, I'm a sinner, I need to repent of my flesh, hell, all these different things. And they get hostile to those things. But I think when Jesus comes full of grace and truth, Jesus was popular people did follow Jesus around. They wanted to what? Get the healing, get the blessing. Um but there was also parts where uh you know, he had some hard things to say and and and, and the disciple and there's cuz he had yeah, the 72 and yeah. a lot of those guys left, you know? So I think yeah. it's a am both. It's a it's a weird false binary where we go with and and, and 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 let me just say this. I have non-Christians that watch my channels that are in alternative lifestyles that don't follow Jesus but they appreciate the quality and the presentation that we, we put on here and then in the willingness to have nuance and they watch the channel because of that, even though they don't agree with me worshiping G- this Jesus that we're talking about. So the world can appreciate different things. And I think when anybody looks at the chosen as a piece of art, just as a piece of art and media, right. most people are going to stop and go, wait a minute that's that's dope, that's fire. They did a great job on it. The acting is great. the pacing is great the 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 music is great and um and if they're and if they're a film if they're a film nerd like some of my friends are, then they're definitely going to appreciate it once they understand some of the mechanics behind it so I don't know it, it, yeah. it's kind of a silly binary that I think people back into like if something is biblical, well, the world's not gonna like it,
1: yeah, and I think it's what this is a really interesting point is one of the thing there were one of the controversies that happened from the content of the show is when we've portrayed some of the heroes of the faith as disagreeing with Jesus or disagreeing with like, you know, Simon Peter, when he, we, before he kind of met Jesus, we should, we portray him as as angry at John the Baptist and he calls him creepy John because John is so weird. And some people were like horrified that, at the notion that uh, that Simon Peter would refer to, 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 John as, as creepy John. And they would say the chosen, I've, I've actually saw this in a critique video once they were like, How dare the chosen refer to one of the great prophets of all time as as creepy John? And I'm like, well, the, the chosen isn't referring to John as creepy John. We're portraying a character who in a moment of anger is doing something that we don't necessarily agree with. It's possible for people to watch art that portrays actions that we don't agree with and still love the portrayal and love the art. And so I think that goes both ways, both in being uncomfortable with seeing John the Baptist argue with jesus which we actually know he did in scripture but that doesn't make john the baptist wrong and uh and and also uh a, a a non-believer loving the show uh doesn't mean well the show must inherently not be truly biblical because if it was they wouldn't like the show um people oftentimes in fact you know i love the show breaking bad and that's a portrayal of a horrible, you know, uh, drug runner who, uh, you know, s- s- uh, created meth uh, to, to, to finance his, uh, you know, his family while he tried to heal from cancer. Uh, that didn't mean I endorse, uh, you know, the behavior of, yep. of, of the main character. So I think people yeah. just have to be willing to separate and understand the difference between art and uh, an actual scripture.
0: Absolutely, and I think that's something Christians struggle with for reasons we laid out earlier in this video. Dallas, any final words, thoughts before we get out of here?
1: Just uh, I love your show, brother. I love what you do. Um I appreciate this conversation. I hope um, that the body of Christ can continue to do things like this, um even when it's not as as uh, even when there's it's not two people like you and me who who uh, agree with agree so much, but uh, just healthy uh, discussions, uh, I hope we can continue to have, and, and, uh, that's why I was so thrilled to come on your show, is, is I knew that you wouldn't, you wouldn't shy away from talking about things that, that can concern people, but also do it in a spirit of love and, uh, and grace, and I hope we, that, that continues, and I, in turn, will continue to do what I'm, I believe I was called to do, which is, uh, portray the stories of, of, of Jesus in the first century Galilee as best as I can, and, uh, and then you'll do your job in, 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 in uh, and YouTube discipleship.
0: Amen. And, 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 uh, God willing, uh, D- extended this invitation to me. God willing, I could pull up to season three and see some of the behind the scenes stuff and maybe even get a vlog or something. If you'd be so generous as to have me, um, guys, I'm big on, 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 uh, supporting the things that we value financially. If you guys have found any value, um, gleamed any value, any encouragement, any hope from the chosen, go make a contribution. You don't have to necessarily become a monthly giver, though I'm about to, uh, but make a contribution. Um, we vote by our wallets a lot of times. And if this is what you want to see go forth, um, vote with your wallet, vote with your checkbook. Make, make this a contribution because there's this is reaching people in parts of the world that Will, can, maybe can't afford it and, 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 and haven't seen Jesus this way. So my encouragement to everybody, go make a contribution. You could do it right inside the app. You can make a monthly contribution. I'm about to sign up as a monthly giver uh, because I believe in the work that Dallas is doing that much. And as, it may not be for you, it may not be for everybody, but if you're finding value from it, if you're consuming it, if you're enjoying it, make a contribution, Dallas, thank you so yeah, much. Me say, for. Um, yeah,
1: let me say real quick. I, same goes both ways. Uh, as, as you, as you know, cause I think you said something about it. When I was watching your uh, live stream with Melissa, I super chatted um, because I, I wanted to also support what you're doing. And I think anytime you can do that, even to small amounts, uh, like I said, we're not a nonprofit. We're not a, we're not a, a charity or ministry. Uh, so don't use the term donate, but, uh, but it's, just, it's just optional payment, but it goes both ways. And so when you're watching Ruzlan's show um, and, and just something really sticks with you and, and, and blesses you, you know, sometimes you, you can do it for, you know, I don't want to sound like a salesman. You can do it for like 99 cents. It's just anything. <laughs> It says like I feel like I'm saying like for just pennies a day you can um,
0: cup of coffee but, just cut out a cup of coffee a week <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally yeah but just
1: that, that kind of stuff really really does make a difference
0: yeah Dallas thank you so much brother I really appreciate you man um guys make sure you go uh check out the the chosen make a contribution um and uh and I'm, and I'm God willing we have Dallas back on and uh and maybe I could even get out there and see some of the behind the scenes of season three yeah, let's uh, Dallas sure. thank you so much brother. Mainstream Entertainment Bruce R- 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 Lawn Guys, thank you so much for making it to the end of this video Be sure to check out some of the descriptions In the link uh, Some of the links in the description, I said that backwards uh, There's some free resources on how to study the Bible course Master My Habits course I put together with my Christian therapist, Dr. Rudy And if you want to see me react To one of Dallas's earlier works And my reaction To The Elephant Room Matt Chandler versus Stephen Furtick it will be over here in the cards, all right?